birthdays this week, isn't it? All right, let's open our Bibles to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, if you would, and we're going to go to chapter number one. I thought it was funny as I watched the news the last couple of weeks and have worked on sermons and you, I try to be ahead, you know, I, I won't say that I'm always ahead, I'm going to say that I, I try to work ahead by a couple of weeks, so when you grab this introduction, you just kind of chuckle at the last several weeks, because it, uh, it really makes even more sense, um, and that was before the chaos began with all of the last couple of weeks, so I, I just, I think it's interesting how, uh, how God works sometimes, so here we go. And in technology, it's Apple. In search engines, it's Google. In social marketing or networking, it's Facebook. For airlines, it's Delta. For online retailers, it's Amazon. For quick serve restaurants, it's Chick-fil-A. So what are we talking about? You go, hmm, these were just some of the winners of the brand keys customer loyalty engagement index. That was, uh, we feel these companies have the highest customer loyalty retention rating in their business, and it's crucial metric. They uh, watch religiously because they, they know uh, that uh, knowing tops customer or top customer loyalty for retaining and building a business. And so like I said, as I, I wrote that uh, like several weeks ago, uh, we were talking about this and I went, wow. If I go back through some of those names and we look at the history of the last couple of weeks, some of them have lost customer loyalty greatly, greatly because of the things that have been going on in our recent culture and, and, uh, and things. And so loyalty is not uh, just crucial for business, but it's crucial for friendships, it's crucial for, for marriages, it's crucial for a, for a nation, and it's crucial for the military. We look at that word loyalty, and uh, we're in a series on Sunday nights. I've, I've titled it Mere Image. Mere Image, and there, is, uh, a, there was a mirror that uh, showed you what you look like on the inside. Not what you look like on the outside. Most of us, we know that one. We, we look at that mirror, and uh, sometimes we like it, sometimes we don't. And, but uh, if we had a mirror that looked on the inside, what would we see? What would we see? What uh, what what do you what do you see without the pretense, without the 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 makeup, when no one's looking around? What kind of character would you see? Uh, we've listed listed three building blocks that have to go into the house of character. We listed integrity, honesty, and humility so far, and uh, that go into the building blocks of character. And so today we're going to talk about a trait that's missing less and less, and and uh, but needed more and more, and that's that trait of loyalty. That, uh, that trait, loyalty. And there's a book in the Bible that uh, has its main character, a woman by the name of Ruth, neither of which we would have, have heard of uh, had, uh, had it not been for her incredible loyalty. Her book, her name, we wouldn't, wouldn't know who she was if it weren't for, for her loyalty. And so Ruth chapter 1, and Ruth's one of the greatest love stories in all of the Bible, but history, uh, and history, but... Uh, movies, novels, and, and books have been written about this beautiful story, but there would have been no love story had it not been for her loyalty, for, for her willingness to serve. What comes as, 
as, as an even greater shock is that the whole story begins with and is built around the loyalty of a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law. It's kind of a, a, a unique situation because we look and, and it's kind of funny if I were to, to pull out of, of, of our Bible for just a moment and, and uh, pull out and go look at today's culture and look at the relationships between uh, mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws, we might take a deep breath. We might, we're, we're probably not going to see the kind of relationship we saw between Ruth. You go, oh, isn't that interesting? But the loyalty that we're going to see demonstrated this evening, and, uh, and it's hard uh, to understand in the, in the law, the in-law dynamics until you either have one or become one. I always joke in premarital counseling, I, uh, I have a lot of fun with that area because I call them the, uh, the <laughs> I call them all outlaws. I don't call them in-laws, I call them all outlaws. They're outlaws until they're proven to be in-laws and, uh, because they have a way. <coughs> I've heard enough stories that make me think that the in-laws, uh, like I said, ought to be outlaws. Comedians made fortunes off of in-law jokes. And you uh, go digging through and you could have fun. And I read about a magic show where uh, after one particularly amazing trick, someone screamed out to the magician, how did you do that? And the, the magician replied, I would tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. The same voice came back and said, well, then, can you tell my mother-in-law? <laughs> I say that I have to be careful. I pick on my mother-in-law on something terrible. And uh, so I have to have to behave. And uh, But I do believe that in-laws get a bad rap. I can tell you uh, that uh, it's really kind of interesting to see the relationship uh, that uh, and how wonderful it can be. And yet at the same time, how challenging sometimes that relationship can be. The book of Ruth is very short. The entire account is given only 85 verses. And uh, it's really just about ordinary people living ordinary lives. And for the most part, that face ordinary problems. Ordinary people, ordinary lives, ordinary problems. Uh, the story begins with three funerals. It ends with a marriage and the birth of a baby. And as you learn when we read the, if we were to, to read the entire story in, in the Bible, it was, it was no uh, ordinary baby. It was a story that would take place from agony of defeat to the thrill of victory. The, the story would make you appreciate family and friends. It make you appreciate your future, your faith more than ever. It's a great book to sit down and just read, sit down and study. It's relatively simple. Two Israelites, Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons, uh, Malon and, and uh, Kilon, live in Bethlehem. But there's a great depression going on, great difficulty financially. Food and money has run out. So Elimelech decides to take his family to the land of Moab. Soon after Elimelech dies, his two sons marry a Moabite woman, an, an or, uh, orphan, and one named Ruth. After about ten years, the two sons die, and now Naomi's left without a husband or her sons. And now in that culture, that was completely an impossible situation. We go back in, in culture, we, we look and you go, that's not a good situation. No way could three women, particularly widows, with children and no relatives in a time of famine hope to survive very long. 
that just didn't, didn't look like it would, would work very well. Naomi, this, this precious mother-in-law, proves to be much, uh, as much of a, a mother as a mother-in-law in what she tells them. She's heard from the relatives back home that things are better in Bethlehem. She intends to go back. But for reasons you'll see, it would be bad, if not perhaps dangerous, for two Boabite women to go to a country where they were not welcome. Naomi knows they will have a better chance meeting a man and remarrying, having children. Plus, they will be in a country where they grew up and, and where they have family. And she not only gives them permission to leave, but Naomi encourages it encourages them to do so. So Orpha, she uh, takes her up on, on the offer and she hightails it back home. So one of the daughter-in-laws takes off. She's gone. But Ruth digs in her heels and says to her mother-in-law, words that have become so famous, we're, we use them in weddings, folks put them on necklaces and on rings. They're one of the great statements, definitions of loyalty ever written and the entire rest of the story hinges on what she said. So let's uh, let's look there, and uh, I believe it's verse number 16. We look, and it says, And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Hmm. Do you know what uh, loyalty sounds like? We could look those words over and over again, the, 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 what loyalty looks like picture Ruth in our mind you look at it and you say there she is let the aroma of her words linger I'm going to go with thee I'm staying with thee in that statement she tells us four ways that we ought to manifest loyalty in our lives in our lives see I think it's amazing I could talk about family and loyalty and family I could talk about loyalty and in, in our relationships we could talk about loyalty in the relationship in our work and we could go on and on and how loyalty affects. It's amazing how quickly somebody today will go, no, I'm done. And they walk away with no loyalty. No loyalty. It used to be uh, we could go back and this would seem like a strange thing to Amanda if uh, I were to say, well, I'm going to go someplace. I'm going to work there for 30 years. And I'm going to retire from that place. That was normal. When I was growing up, somebody went to work, they worked the same place, and they pretty much worked there their whole life. And then what they do? They retired, and, and you go, there they are. I'm looking at Bethany, and Bethany's got a face about her that kind of looked kind of strange because she's like, I don't know about that. But we live in a culture today that doesn't have that kind of loyalty. You realize that if, if just to, to put things in perspective, the average family moves every seven years. Every seven years from one home to another home, uh, they move. And so how often they're changing jobs is, is just as frequent, if not more frequent, than that. And so now all of a sudden we go, loyalty to the job, not necessarily there. So 
as we look at, at Ruth, let's take a look at it and, and look at these four pictures that she gives us. She says, number one, be loyal to your family. Be loyal to your family. Ruth's loyalty began where, where uh, loyalty is planted, fertilized, and, and uh, grown, and that's in our, our family. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave. Don't urge me to, to I want to, I'm, uh, uh, or to turn back, or to leave you where you are, or to go, I want to go with you, I want to stay with you. I want to stay with you, Ruth said. I want to go. It's hard to imagine just how these words are, are going to cost Ruth. Remember, she was in, in the worst state any young woman could, could be in, and, and that is to be both childless and unmarried. In that culture particularly, young women who were widowed especially were encouraged to find a husband as quickly as possible. Find a, a, a husband as quickly as possible. Naomi is going to a country where she will not only be a foreigner and an immigrant, but because of her Moabite background, uh, she would find it almost impossible to attract any male that would want to marry her. Anybody that would, would even have any desire because of her background. And beyond that, she'll be condemned for coming out of a pagan background in a country that was, was, was an, uh, an enemy with, with Israel, condemned for marrying a Jewish man and, and then taking advantage of Naomi's hospitality. So you can look and you can see some of the culture that's, that's there, and she is really, truly giving up everything. She's giving up her country. She's giving up her social standing, her friends, her relationship, her chances to remarry, her, 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 uh, and, and ever having children to, to all uh, children all to spend it with a woman that is not physically related to her at all, to whom most probably will struggle to make ends meet. As a matter of fact, later on, the man whom she will eventually marry in the, as we walk through said this about her. And we can look in chapter 2 and verse number 11 in the text. Chapter 2 and verse 11. Where it says, And Boaz answered and said to her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of nat nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knowest not heretofore. You look and you say, there's that image. At this point, we might be thinking, wait a minute, you said be loyal to your family, but she left her family. Well, yes and no. She left her blood relatives, but now, as we learn, she's part of a new family. Not a flesh family, but a spiritual family. Not a physical family, but a forever family. Ruth had come to know the God of Naomi. She had forsaken the false God of the Moabites. She, uh, she had given her heart to the God of the Israelites. To her mother-in-law of, uh, of faith was more family to her than her own mother of the flesh. So let's say this about our, our family. No family, physical family, lives forever. The only family that lives forever is the family of faith, the ones we know in Christ. And you know, we, we come along and, 
and, and we can come along. And what is it that Jesus told us to do? We, we, we mentioned it this in, the mor- in the message this morning, but the fact that when we leave father and mother, we're to cleave. There's that leave and cleave. But also, what is it Jesus told us to do when it comes to following him? That we're to leave. We're to, to draw close to him and to let that friends, those family, and those things leave those behind. You see, turning unto him, the author, the finisher of our faith, looking to him. The point is whether it's our mother or our mother-in-law or brother or brother-in-law or son or son-in-law, but we ought to be loyal to our family. But if there's one thing that, that, uh, that we can look at and, and hang in there, it's not only to be loyal to our family, but to be loyal to the family of God, encouraging one another. Secondly, we see out of this portion of Scripture, and uh, back in chapter 1 and verse number 16, where will you go? Where, uh, where will you stay? Verse 16, when, when we look at that portion of Scripture, see it entreat me not to leave or to return, following after thee. For whether I go, will I go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Where, where are you going to go? Your people are going to be my people. Naomi, Ruth was talking not just about Naomi's family, but her friends. Your people means the people you grew up with, the people you went to school with, the people you knew, the, the people you became friends with. They'll be my people. If you're loyal to your friends, I'll be loyal to your friends. And I'm consu- convinced that one of the things that separates true friends from being pseudo-friends or fair-weather friends from your I'll-be-your-friend as long as things are, are cool is really loyalty. See, when Ruth said these words to Naomi, Naomi knew that Ruth was more than just a daughter-in-law. She was a friend that would stick in there, much like Jesus, closer than a sister. She knew she wasn't going anywhere. You'll, you'll, we'll never learn who our real friends are in prosperity. We learn who our real friends are when we're in adversity, when the trouble comes in life. See, for all the Facebook fanatics, it's interesting that Facebook caps the number of friends any person can have at 5,000. They actually cap that that's been known for a long time but what's really interesting is 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 go ahead and take a journey and you and and those those facebook fanatics get looking at it and you realize you only see about 50 of your friends on a regular basis in the in those feeds it's interesting because you look and you go why where are they at and facebook says well there are there's 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 you can't possibly manage that many There's an old saying that goes, it says you can't have too many friends. But the real truth is nobody has as many friends as they think they have. But to those of, of us that, that are friends that want to be friends, be loyal to your friends. Don't, don't count them as, as a friend or yourself. But we got to look and say, hey, here we are. Let me, let me give you just three months after the scandal of Bill Clinton. And uh, he broke, he was catching fire everywhere. Some of you might remember. Oh, Lord, preacher, you're going to bring up that. And there you are. Time Magazine celebrated their 75th anniversary. Right as all of that was breaking loose in in New York and a a crowd of more than 1,000 had gathered for the event, 
Billy Graham was supposed to sit at the table at, at a different table from Clinton. He wasn't supposed to be right there, but he was to, to be in there. But when uh, former Yankee great uh, Joe, Joe DiMaggio declined to sit with the president, Graham volunteered to take his place. When President Clinton's approval rating was at its lowest, Billy Graham's loyalty rating was at its highest. Be loyal to our friends. Now, I would have loved to have heard that conversation, knowing some of the conversations Billy Graham had with, with different individuals and how he would speak very frank, frankly and be willing to let folks know of their need to repent. And I believe he was that kind of friend. But I found that very interesting that, you know what, when, when a pro baseball player says, no, I don't want to sit with him because of the ugliness that's going on, and yet the evangelist says, I'll sit with him. I'll sit with him. Well, that also reminds us that our God is full of grace and mercy and that we too ought to be full of grace and mercy, that we ought to reach out in those times of need for our friend. Number three, the third thing is to be loyal to, to our, our faithfulness. Ruth says, when, when will I die? Verse number 17 in our text. Where, where thou diest will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also. If aught but death part thee and me. You, you look there and, and you say that what's happened, and that loyalty is to the one millionth degree. She's basically saying to her mother-in-law, even if it costs me my life, I'm not going to forsake you. Even if it takes everything, if it takes my life, I'm sticking with you. Naomi, I'm going with you. I, I'm not going to leave you. Whatever you uh, live with, I'm going to live. Wherever you die, I'm going to die. She was making a promise in her, her own life based on her own life and her word that, that she would never go back on that promise. Naomi wouldn't have to worry that if they got to Bethlehem and things got bad, the fire got too hot, the food got too low, that Ruth was going to abandon ship and run back to Moab. Ruth was saying, you don't have to worry about that. I'm going to take the journey with you. We're going down there. She made a lifetime commitment with, with her life that Naomi would, would never be alone and never be abandoned. One of the ways we need to learn to be loyal is to be loyal to ourselves, loyal to our convictions, loyal to what we believe. See, our, our loyal to our promises, what we say and what we do, loyal to, to pay our debts, loyal to keep our vows, loyal to, to always stand for what's right and stand against what's wrong. Two men, Jim and, and Philip, did everything together when they were kids. They went to, to high school together. They went to college together. They joined the Marines together. In, in World War II, they, they, uh, sent to, uh, they were sent to Germany where they fought side by side together. During one particular fierce battle, they... Uh, they were given the command to retreat. And as they were doing so, Jim noticed that Philip was not with the other soldiers. He begged his commanding officer, let him go back after his friend. But the officer told him, no, that it would be suicide. Well, Jim disobeyed his commanding officer, and with his heart pounding and bullets whizzing and by and the bombs exploding around him, he kept calling out for his friend. And a short time later, his platoon saw him staggering back across the field, carrying a limp body in his arms, and the commanding officer came running up to him, livid. And he said, you risk your life for nothing. Your friend's dead. There's nothing you could do. Jim replied, no, sir, you're wrong. I got there just in time. Before Philip died, he said, 
I knew you would come. I knew you would come. See, Jim and Philip had made a promise that no matter what happened, they would always be there for each other. They would never leave each other in the lurch, and they, they would never walk away from each other when they were in need. Be loyal to our family. Be loyal to our friends. And then, number four, loyal in our faith. Loyal in our faith. Notice in verse number 16, she said, Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Thy God will be my God. What a great uh, testimony for her to be able to say. And you talk about selling out. She was a Moabite. The Moabites actually came from an incestuous relationship that a man by the name of Lot, you say, who was the nephew of Noah, you remember Noah, had with one of his daughters. They they entered into paganism. They worshipped many gods. They, they um, they much lewd conduct, human sacrifices to, to practice their religion. The Moabite culture epitomized everything that a faithful Israelite would hate. They were just extreme opposites. Matter of fact, you, as you walk through and uh, they despise it, even an Egyptian or an Edomite could join the people of God. The law was laid down about Moabites, though. An Ammonite or a Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the tenth generation, for they didn't come to meet with you, bread and water, or, or uh, on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balaam, son of Beor, Pethor, or Aram, to pronounce a curse on you. You walk through Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verses uh, 3 through 6, but uh, the ending of it says, very simple, do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as you live. Don't get close to those Edomites and Moabites. Don't you go marrying them, folks. Don't you, don't you go down that road for 10 generations. You realize that's 400 years, 10 generations. No Moabite or descendant of Moabite could enter into the assembly of the Lord. So here's a young woman who has everything going against her, every reason to reject God. Her past is against her. Raised in a pagan family who worshipped pagan gods, her present was against her. All she had was her mother-in-law, no husband, no children, no source of income. Her future was against her, going to a land and, and a people where her ethnicity was, was a curse word, a, a no welcome sign, if you would. They, they, they're not saying, come on in. And, and, uh, and so would uh, no welcome sign put out for the neighbor's homes. And yet she says, your God will be my God. Her life had been radically changed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She had turned away from every other false god she'd ever known, and she put everything on the line to worship Jehovah, to worship a true God. It's one of the most courageous confessions of faith you find in all the Bible. She went from, from, from extreme to extreme. chapter 4 you find in verse 15 that your daughter-in-law loves you more than seven sons I find that one an amazing statement loves her more than, than seven sons has, been, has, has given her birth but she became not just a daughter-in-law but she became a daughter in love a 
daughter in love. What the great, uh, the greatest blessing of all was the son that she bore. His name was Obed. Now you might go, Obed. What difference does Obed make? You know, we kind of look and go, I don't know. I don't know who Obed is. Well, here, let's uh, let's take a little bit and take the journey because he became the grandfather of David. The grandfather of David who became the ancestor of Jesus. See that? But that's not all. See, when you go to the genealogy of Jesus, there are four women that are mentioned in the family tree. Tamar, guilty of incest. Rahab, a prostitute. Bathsheba, an adulteress. And a Moabite named Ruth. Because of her loyalty, God used her not to bear a son, but to change the history of this world. See, our God is a loyal God. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. And we ought to be the person that we ought to be to our family, to, to our friends, and to the faithfulness. Because we all need someone that we know to be there for us. And I'm so thankful that there is a Savior that went to a cross. That when Jesus went to that cross, he was loyal to you and I. All the way to death. I've been reading a little book, and it's just a little thing. And I've been soaking the thing up because it's, uh, it's little steps on the way to the cross. And I got so tickled because I, as I was reading the other night, I said, hmm, the disciples, we have no idea where they went after they left the garden. There was one at the foot of the cross, but the rest of them, we, we don't know where they went until they're in the upper room. We have no idea. But you know what? When they got in the upper room, the gravestone didn't hold him in. And the walls in the upper room couldn't hold him out. that's when you found their loyalty oh they struggled in the in between they struggled in some of those challenges but don't we all and aren't you glad we can look and say open our Bible and say look at the truth of God's word in such a way that not only I can see people just like me just like you but I can also see a savior who's met my great need and he says I want you to Father God, we come to you and we are so